Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 21, and we'll start in verse 18. If you're reading from your Fresh Bible, it's going to be page number 253. Uh, growing up, I wish my pastor would have done that for me, so I'm going to do it for you. But uh, 1 Chronicles, and you know, this is, um, <clears throat> we kind of put David on this, on this pedestal t- sometimes, and, and uh, if, if you know your Bible well, you know that David is pretty jacked up too, and uh, he's pretty much just like you and me. But uh, this is one of the many stories in, in David where we kind of see his humanity and we see his, 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 his flaws and uh, see that he's not perfect, which should be such a release to, to you and me that we don't have to live up to this, to this standard that, that, that David lived up to because he was imperfect himself. But um, in, in, in give you some, some, some context, uh, David made this, this big mistake. Um, David is, is the king now, and, and he's leading the armies, and, and they were just having victory after victory after victory. I mean, it, they were doing really, really well. And uh, David decided that he was going to take a census. And uh, that may not sound really all that bad to you and me, but what David was actually trying to do was, I'm going to count everybody in my army so that way my insecurities uh, can be, can be um, or I, can, I can fight my insecurities because I, I need to know how many people I have fighting on my side. It's almost as if Satan was getting into his head like, hey, you might want to, to count your people. You might want to, to, to see how big of an army you have to see who all you can take on. And uh, again, that may not sound like that big of a deal to you and me, because, I mean, what, does the U.S. take a census, what, every 10 years or something like that? So it's like not that big of a deal, but, but this was actually deliberately disobeying God, because God um, gave the command back in Exodus that not to count the people, not to take a census, unless, unless, uh, unless God said so, because he didn't want, he didn't want the leaders of Israel to, to get in their own head like, oh, I can do this by myself. Oh, I, I, I can be self-sufficient. I don't need God's help because look at this huge army that I have. And in Scripture, we, we won't read that part, but uh, it was before, it's before where we're going to read. Um, he tells one of his servants, David tells one of his servants to go take a census. And, and the servant was like, ah, like, I don't know, man. That sounds like a really bad idea because it's written in Scripture right here. And he you know, gives the Scripture. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. David's like, no, do it. I'm the king. And uh, David was, was really going through a rough time there. And just, you know, like we talked about last week, God is a, is a just God. God is a, is a righteous God. And, and, and so when God d- gives a command and, and David deliberately disobeys the command, well, obviously there's going to be, there's gonna be, there has to be um, punishment for the sin. There has to be a retribution. There, there has to be, um, uh, justice has to be, ha- God is a just God and, and God has to serve justice. And so this is, this is what happens in and so God releases his protection over Israel, and, and, and there's a plague that sweeps in, and, and it kills a whole lot of people. But, but it's, and, and remember, God is a, is a just God, so he took, his, he took his protection off because David, the leader of Israel, deliberately disobeyed him. And so if, if David thinks he can do it on his own, God's going to show him that you can't do it on your own. 
And so David's in this predicament here, and it gets really, really interesting. And so God, David is, is filled with repentance, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What have I done? I don't even know. I'm just, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. What do I need to do to make this right? And so God told him through a prophet to go and make an altar to offer a sacrifice to him to atone for the sin that he committed. And this is where we end up because this story gets so, so interesting. So, so we're going to be in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. We'll start in verse 18. We'll go all the way down to, uh, uh, we'll go down to, to 28. I think I gave that to production team. I hope it's, yeah, to 28. Okay, good. Uh, and we'll, we'll start reading here. And it says this, the angel of the Lord told Gad, who is the, the prophet, um, to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. <clears throat> so David went up to do what the Lord had commanded them through Gad. Arana, who was busy threshing wheat at the time, turned and saw the angel there. His four sons who were with him ran away and hid, as, you know, as kids do when you see a, you know, an angel. You know, it's, it's um, justifiable. So when Arana saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. David said to Arana, let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord the king, and use it as you wish, Arana said to David. I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings and the threshing boards and the, for wood to build a fire on the altar and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all to you. This sounds like a really, really great deal. But 20, Verse 24, but King David replied to Arana, no, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. So David gave Arana 600 pieces of gold in payment for the threshing floor. And just to give you some context today, that's around $600,000 is what David paid for this threshing floor. Verse 26, David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offerings on the altar. Then the Lord spoke to the angel who put the, the, the sword back into its sheath. And when David saw that the Lord had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices there at Arana's threshing floor. Now, I, this is an interesting story because it makes David kind of come off as a, as a bit crazy. You know, you know it, it, I mean, if you're reading this and you, you know the proper context, $600,000 is what he paid for this threshing floor. But the, 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 the biggest, like, I don't get this part, is that he was offered it for free. <laughs> Arana was like, hey, you, whatever you want, King David, I'll give it all to you. I'll give you the threshing floor. I'll give you the, the bulls. I'll give you the wood, everything you want. I'll give you the wheat. It's all yours. And David was like, no, no, I, I'll pay full price for it, $600,000. David is nuts. <laughs> David is, is crazy. Just to give you some context, you can buy a lot for $600,000, um, if, if you're into the black market and you're into buying elephants, uh, you can buy about 10 elephants for $600,000. It could be about $60,000 a piece. They're endangered species. They're expensive. 10 elephants for this. Or you could buy 150,000 ga gallons of gas, which would take you from here to California and back around 850 times. Or David could have bought 1.2 million hot dogs from Sheets if he used his Sheets card. David could have bought a lot of things, but instead he decided to buy a threshing floor. And if you don't know what a threshing floor is, let me show you what it is. This is what David spent 600 grand on. Now, it's not really something you'd probably showcase on MTV Cribs, probably like Fixer Upper, but then you'd still be over budget. $600,000 for this, this, this threshing floor. And from the outside looking in, it looks like David is nuts. It looks like David is out of 
his mind. He's not a very smart businessman. That wasn't a really good move. And you know, I can imagine what the taxpayers probably thought when he, you know, they found out he spent 600 grand on a, on a threshing floor. But I love what David says in, 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 in verse 24. And this is where we're really going to stick today. Is, is, is it says this, I don't want to give God something that costs me nothing. I, I, what's it say here? Uh, I, I, don't want to, I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. I love what the, uh, the message translation says. It says this, uh, verse 24 in the message translation, I think it's the next one. There it is. I'm not going to offer God sacrifices that are no sacrifice. I'm not going to offer God sacrifices that are no sacrifice to me. <clears throat> David loved God. David loved spending time, God, spending time in the presence of God, singing and dancing and enjoying the, the, the splendor and the beauty of the Lord. And because he loved the Lord, he wanted to give God his, his best, his very best. Because he loved the Lord, it justified his, his purchase. And so if we, want to be, if we want to learn to be a man or woman after God's own heart, we're going to have to be willing to make sacrifices that are costly, we're going to have to be willing to make sacrifices that are costly, and we'll have to learn the importance of, of sacrifice and what that looks like in today's context versus, versus the Old Testament and, and how we can live a life of sacrifice, how we can live a life of honor, how we can live a life that pleases the Lord. If we're going to be men or women after God's own heart, we have to learn how to sacrifice. So if you're, if you're, if you're taking notes today, the, the, I'm going to give this message title, The Cost of Sacrifice. The Cost of Sacrifice. The cost of, go ahead and wake up your neighbor. Help me out here. Elbow him right in the, right in the rib cage. Say, hey, neighbor. Hey, this, this can be a good one. We're going to talk about the cost of sacrifice. The cost of sacrifice. And get the other neighbor. Come on, the one you ignored. Hey, say, hey, neighbor. We're going to talk about the cost of sacrifice today. It's expensive. It's going to be real expensive. All right, I'll, I'll pray and, and open us up. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you so much for your word that stands true. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you paid on that cross for us. And God, I just pray that you would show us how to be men and women after your own heart, men and women after your presence. I just pray that, that you would speak to us today and allow us to leave completely changed and completely different than the way we came in. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, all the church said, amen, amen. Now, um, it's no secret that sometimes when we talk about sacrifice, it gets like a little sticky, you know? It's like, eh. Church can get a little weird when we, when we start talking about sacrifice. And I, I, I just want to clarify what we're, what we're going to be talking about. It's because this can, go, this can go one of two ways. If you've grown up in church and, you know, you've heard this term sacrifice over and over and over again, you probably have already assume that the pastor's going to be talking about money, probably. And uh, if you haven't grown up in church, and you pay attention to all of these, like, you know, forums and Facebook sites, and, and you already think the church is a cult, and you show up here, and the pastor's like, hey, we're going to talk about sacrifice today. I'm going to show you what it means to sacrifice. And you're thinking animal sacrifice. is like, man, i got to get out of here. <laughs> this could go on one of two ways. You know, and, and Christians are weird, man. I, I just, we, we do some weird things, and, we, again, we say things we don't necessarily think about. And so, you know, like, we'll talk about animal sacrifices, and we'll talk about, you know, make a sacrifice today. And, you know, when it comes to, like, hey, come back next week. We'll, uh, we'll take communion together. And, you know, maybe you haven't been to church. You're like, what's communion? It's like, oh, it's where we eat the blood or eat the, bread, eat the body and, and drink the blood of Jesus. You know, when you, when you think about it that way, it's like, eh, that's, that's a little weird. It's just representation. It's just, it's, um. It's grape juice and the bottom of an ice cream cone, okay? It's not, nothing, to, nothing to worry about. But um, can you imagine if I, can you imagine how fast we could shut down if I was like, hey, I'm going to show you how to animal sacrifice today. You know, PETA would be all over that. Um, <laughs> and it's, 
this isn't related, but it's funny. I read this, um, I read this, this thing where, and I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm not, you know, making fun of anybody or anything like that. I mean, there are animal rights activists out there that are really doing a good thing, and I don't like to see any animals that are being, you know, uh, I don't like to see any, any animal cruelty or anything like that. But it's, just, it's funny to me because, again, we have these phrases, and uh, I saw a petition, uh, I think from PETA, uh, a while back, and I read it, and... Um, they, they were talking about changing some of the phrases that incite animal cruelty, like, uh, like you know, beating a dead horse. Have you ever heard this term, beating a dead horse? We just say the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, they want to change that to feeding a fed horse. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Or, you know, uh, you know kill to two, we'll, we'll kill two birds with one stone. Instead, they want to say, we'll feed two birds with one scone. And uh, that's, <laughs> I'm not making fun of anybody or anything like that. It probably has nothing to do with my message, but um, just funny. Animal sacrifice. Anyways, let's get back on track. Animal sacrifice, um, that's not what we're talking about today, by the way. We're not talking about animal sacrifice, but I want to I really dive in to, to what, what, what sacrifice really means. Like, like get behind the heart of sacrifice, because back in the Old Testament, they had a very ritualistic, uh, very systematic way of 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 of, of um, covering sins and repenting for sins and you know atoning for sins. And you know they would have all these certain parameters that they would have to follow in order to sacrifice, you know, properly and everything like that. And you know, they they couldn't just just pray when they messed up. And, you know, we we can just you know, oh God, I'm sorry. But, you know, whenever, whenever they messed up in the Old Testament, they, they really had to go through some stuff. They couldn't just pray. I mean, they had to pray for repentance, but, but then they would have to find a spotless animal on the approved animal list and then slaughter and then follow a very precise ritual in order to make sure the animal's death was not in vain but was for atonement purposes only. And uh, it, was, it was really gruesome back in the day, but that's the, kind of the reality of sin is sin is gruesome. This was... Um, when we, when we read about this kind of thing, it's, it's actually that animal is taking our place. This is what we deserve. So, so the idea was that every time they would go back into the tabernacle, every time they would go into the temple, they would see the, the blood and they would, it would just stink and it smelled and, and it was just a really eerie place to be and it was a reminder of the price for sin. It's, it's really, really expensive. But again, that's not the, the kind of sacrifice I'm talking about today. We haven't had to do that for over 2,000 years. And, you know, but upon thinking about that, I don't, think, I don't think most of us realize how good we have it today. You know, under this new covenant we're living now, I don't think most of us realize how good it is because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the perfect sacrifice for us. And, and because of his blood, because of his, of his sacrifice that, that was able to cover all of our sins and remove all of our sins, we don't have to do this anymore. His sacrifice was permanent, not temporary. It was, it was sufficient, not just a covering. He, he took on all of our sin. Jesus took on all of our sin it was so that we don't need to make atonement anymore. We, don't, we just have to accept forgiveness. We just have to accept this forgiveness that Jesus offers us through the sacrifice he's already paid. I don't think a lot of us realize how good we have it. The Bible says in, in Esther that, you know, we were made for such a time as this. I really do think we were made for such a time as this, especially with AC. I couldn't be, I couldn't live when there was no AC. That would just drive me nuts. 
But for real, I don't think we realize how, how good we have it, how, how, how blessed we truly are to just be able to go to our Father and ask for forgiveness and ask for, and, you know, and, and exercise repentance. I don't think we realize how good because the, 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 the debt has already been paid. The price has already been paid. We've already been forgiven. Satan has already been defeated. Sin has already been beaten. Death has already been beaten through the blood and through the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus. He makes this possible. He makes this possible. And I love this because it's not some, you know, big boss battle waiting to happen in the sky, you know, where, where you know, at the end of the ages, Jesus and Satan are going to go at it, and we're just going to stand on the ground, you know, biting our nails like, oh, I really hope Jesus wins, like it's a football game. Like, no, he's already, he's already won. The victory is already won. The fight is already, has already been fixed. We just have to accept this Forgiveness. Jesus is victorious because of his power and strength, and we are victorious because of a sacrifice that took our place. We have it so good, and we don't even realize that Jesus is the perfect and the final sacrifice. So if Jesus is the perfect and the final sacrifice, why, why do we talk about it so much? <laughs> Honestly, why, why, do, why do we talk about it in church every so often and, and it makes us really creeped out or really weirded out? And, you know, if, if we don't have to do it anymore, why do we still talk about it? And, and I kind of want to debunk that a little bit because while the act of slaughtering animals to take our place is, is outdated and it's obsolete, the heart behind sacrifice is essential for us to pursue God's heart. The heart behind sacrifice is essential for us to pursue God's heart. And let me get us all on the same page here. I'll read us the definition of, of, from Webster's Dictionary of what sacrifice is. And it says this, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Valued is the key word here. An act of giving up something valued for the sake or for the interest of or for the purpose of Something else regarded as more important or worthy. And so sacrifice for us is, is and always has been a response. But the beauty of it is, is that in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice in response of their sin. But in the New Covenant, we get to sacrifice in response to God's grace and forgiveness. Again, I don't think we realize how good we have it. They, the people in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice, but we, us, in the New Covenant, we get to sacrifice. We, we get to give up something for the value and for the, for the sake of honoring the Lord. This should be an honor and an incredible opportunity. And, uh, and I'll just be honest with this, though. A lot of us, and myself included sometimes, we see sacrifice as a, as a chore, or, or, or we see sacrifice as an obligation or something that we have to do. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things as, as, as Jesus followers, as Christians, that I feel, I feel like we've been pressured or, or we've, we've kind of taken on the burden of, of these things we have to do. There's a lot of things that we feel like we have to do. Maybe, maybe someone has told you, maybe church has told you, or Christians have told you, or maybe even pastors have told you that, you know, there are certain things you have to do in order to be a good Christian, just some examples. You have to come to church on the weekend. You have to read your Bible every day. You have to give 10% of your, in, of your gross income, not your net, your gross. <laughs> you, 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 you have to wait until you're married to have sex. Hello. You have to invite people. To, you have to sing the songs, and you got to sing them right. <laughs> 
And you, you have to join a life group. You have to share the verse of the day on Instagram and get the, you know, with the picture and all the, the funny little things and, and make it look all pretty so that way people will know, oh, yeah, God is, is fun to follow. You know, we feel like we have to do, you have to pray before you, you know, we, 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 and I was a kid growing up and I just felt like I have to go to church. My parents are dragging me to church. And upon further reflection, that's just good parenting. <laughs> Let's just be real. Parents keep dragging their kids to church. They're learning something. But it's all, these, it's all these have-tos. And that's what we've limited Christianity to sometimes. It's all these, all these have-tos. I, I feel like I have to. I'm obligated to. And I, this is such a chore and this is such a drag because I have to do this. And even my facial expression shows how I feel about having to do things. We have to do this. We, we have to do that. It's easy to get in this mindset that we're making sacrifices for the Lord, but it's unwilling. It's just, just a force of habit or something we feel like we have to do in order to get into heaven or in order to, to, to please God. We have to do these things. And, you know, you want to become burnout really easily? Have a have-to mentality. <laughs> you want to become burnout really? Have a have-to mentality. You, 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 you want to really hate what you're doing? Have a have-to mentality. It would be real quick, too. We have to do these things. I've seen Christians give their whole lives to ministry. I've seen Christians give their whole lives to, to, to introducing others to Jesus because they feel like they have to. And they're some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life because they felt like they had to. And now their job requires, you know, their, their job is dependent on, their income is dependent on what they have to do. And so then it just kind of creates this spiral. And this is, these are ministers we're, we're talking about. I'm sure there's a couple have-tos that you have in your life. I know I, I've got a couple that I feel like I have to do. And, you know, I'm working on that, but, and I hope we are too, but I feel like we all have some have-tos. But a sacrifice to the Lord cannot be something that we feel like we have to do. It should be something that we want to do. A sacrifice can't be something that we feel like we have to do. It has to be something that we want to do. And that doesn't mean sacrifice always feels good, because it doesn't. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you. And, you know, we, we, we make sacrifices in our, in our friendships, and our relationships. I'm not saying that, you know, oh, I, I want to take out the trash for my, you know, for my wife to make her happy. And, you know, it doesn't mean that taking out the trash, you're just like, yeah, I love taking out the trash. You throw it on your back, like walk down to the, you know. No, it's, it's still stinky, dirty, gross trash. You get trash juice all over you. That's what we call it. You get trash juice everywhere. It doesn't mean it feels good, but it's something you want to do. Why? You give up something valued, just not taking out the trash, I hate taking out the trash, <laughs> for the sake of something greater, something more important, or something more worthy. Sacrifice is not an obligation, it's an opportunity. Sacrifice is not something that, that is required, it's, it's a desire. Sacrifice needs to be a desire in our lives. We, we, need, to, we, we need to want to, uh, to, 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 want to please God, to, to want to honor God, to want to give up things for the sake of who is more important and who is more, uh, more worthy. We can't be men and women after God's own heart if we have this, this attitude of, I, I have to do this, I have to, to say this, I have to be like this, I have to read this, I have to blah, 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 blah. We're going to drive ourselves nuts and we're wonder, we'll wonder why, why God feels so far away, because we feel like we have to. If you're in a relationship and you, there's a bunch of have-tos, I feel like I have to do this, it's probably not a good relationship. 
with the exception of, you know, like, oh, I have to get the kids from soccer practice. You have to get the kids from soccer practice. I mean, this is what it is. But I'm talking about the, the things that should not be have-tos that become have-tos. And if we live with this have-to mentality, we're going to drive ourselves nuts. We're going to burn ourselves out. But, but we, we, should, we should be, we need the desire to be close to God to fill our hearts. That should be the driving force in, in what makes us want to sacrifice. Or, or looking at it as an opportunity, we get to make a sacrifice to the Lord. We get to live our lives for the creator of the universe who wants to be with us. That's a get to. That's an opportunity. That's awesome. And, and we, we, we have this, this willingness to give up something of value for the sake of pleasing the Lord or the sake of our growing in our relationship with God. But sometimes I just, I don't feel like we see it like this. And this is where I struggle. This is, we don't, we don't necessarily see this as an opportunity. We, we, we see it as have-tos. And I think I know why. And, I, and, and I'm not standing up here telling you how to do this. I'm, I'm talking to myself, too. I've been here. And I think it's because as, as Christians, as, as Americans, uh, we've become entitled. We've become entitled. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, we, 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 we think that we've earned what we have. We've worked hard for what we have. And we're not giving it away because that's mine. I earned it. We're going to hold on to that because this is what I've worked for. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. And, you know, if you're offended, maybe you're entitled. Kidding. Not really. But, we, you know, we, we have this attitude of I've, I've earned this. This is mine. This is my stuff. This is my life. I'm going to live how I please. I'm going to use my resources on, on how I please. I've worked too hard and I've worked too long to just give this stuff away. And, you know, you know maybe uh, church and Christians and pastors, you know, tell us we, we, we have to give our money away. We have to give our resources away and our time, you know, away in order to get to heaven. Let me just say that's not true. But we've heard this before. And, you know, we want to be on good terms with the man upstairs. And so we'll give it, but reluctantly. It's like, oh, fine. If this is my, you know, if this is securing my eternity, then I'll write the check every week, whatever. But it's not going to be any more than 10%, not a dime more. And we'll get out our calculator, go, you know, round down to the, to the nearest cent in order to make sure that God gets 10% and nothing more. Or, or, you know, I've carved out an hour of my time, and the pastor still goes over, and it just, sorry. But this is, you know, this is my time. This is, this is I'm, I'm not going to give any more time to God than I have to. And it's this entitlement uh, mentality that we live in that we, I'm not going to give more than I have to. I'm not going to give more than I have to. And if we're, if we're not careful... The have-to mentality and paired with the entitlement mentality can bias into the lie that we can earn our way to righteousness. We can earn our relationship with Jesus. We can earn our ticket, if you will, to heaven. It's a dangerous road to walk. You know, we, we give these things reluctantly or, or apathetically, and we think we're making sacrifices, but instead we're just giving God the extra. Or giving God, giving God gifts. You know, and, and it's, it's a subtle but a big difference between a sacrifice and a gift. Because a sacrifice has to be willing. 
And a gift you can just, you can just give reluctantly. It's, 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 it doesn't matter because it's, it's the same thing that happens when you give in abundance. You can, you, know, you can have this little bit, God, but the rest is mine. You know, this is a, and I encourage you to give in abundance, by the way. It's, it's good to celebrate when God blesses you. But we can't confuse gifts with sacrifice because they're, they're so different. And the difference is in the value. The difference between gifts and sacrifice is in the value. And the way we measure the value of a gift is by looking at the gift, but the way we measure the value of a sacrifice is by looking at the cost. The way we measure the value of a gift is by looking at the gift, but the way we measure the value of a sacrifice is by looking at the cost. Let me give you a good example, because uh, we all like, you know, most people like donuts. If you're gluten-free, sorry. Um, but, you know, it's... To think about this, you know, you, you go to work one day and you show up in your cubicle and uh, your, your co-worker's like, hey, hey, Jenny, I got you some donuts. I got some donuts for the whole office. And, and you're like, oh, great, I, I'd love one. And she opens the box and there's all 12 Krispy Kreme donuts and they're just, they're, they just got off the glazing machine. She just pulled in. Oh, and they're still like leaking down and the, the box is dripping with grease. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? And so the smell smacks you in the face. You're like, oh, wow. Ooh, that is so good. Thank you for this gift, and you, you pick any donut you want. Okay, think about that. Now, think about this way. If, if, if Jenny comes to you, she's like, hey, you, you, would, you like a, would you like a donut? And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. And the same thing happens. You know, the box is still dripping, and it smells so good. But she opens the box, and there's only one left. It's the last one. And you're like, oh, no, 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 I can't. I, I don't want to take the last one. And Jenny's like, no, 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 I want you to have the last one. I want you to have the last one. Which was, which was of more value? Was it when she had 12 donuts or when she had one donut? It was, it was when she had one donut because now she's deprived of donuts. She has no, no more for herself. She could have eaten all 11 with, with, and with no problem. It's Krispy Kreme. You, you have no problem eating that. But you know what I mean? It's, it's the, the difference between a gift and a sacrifice is in the value. And when you measure the value of a, of a gift, it's, it's in the gift. It's in, it's in, you know, what, what is given. But when you measure the value of a sacrifice, it's, it's what it costs. What it costs Jenny is she has no more donuts. And it's a, it's a silly example. There's, let me give you a scriptural example. There's, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's this story in Mark chapter 12. And I love it. It's a beautiful story. And uh, there's this, this uh, Jesus is with his disciples, and he's sitting in the synagogue. He's just watching. He's just, you know, people watching like Jesus did. And, uh, you know, <laughs> um, and, and so this, this, this crowd of people comes in, and, you know, they're, they're, um, Jesus is right near the collection box, the donation box, the, 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 the offering box. And uh, all these rich people come in, and, you know, they're like, oh, I am so rich and mighty. I'm going to give my, you know, my share to the Lord. And, and so what they do is, you know, they, they probably have these big bags of small coins, and they, you know, they pour it in and make sure everybody can hear all the clinking and clanking going on in the, in the collection machine. Everyone's looking around like, wow, they must be giving a lot. That's awesome. And, you know, Jesus is watching these people, and person after person, these rich people, oh, I'm going to give my second. You know, they're, they're, they're broadcasting it. They want everybody to know what they're giving to the Lord. And then comes this, this poor widow. That's what the Bible calls her, not me. I'm just saying, the poor widow. And she comes up and, you know, probably with her head sunk down, shoulders, and body language is just not encouraging. She, she comes up to the collection box and she, she holds two coins in her hands and she drops them in, clink, clink. And everyone looks and probably thinks, that's all she's going to give. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, you know, that woman gave more than everybody else. The disciples are like, what? what? That doesn't make any sense. No, she didn't. Were they, you know, what did she put in there? Were they worth more than everything? Like, no, no. It's the sacrifice. It's what it cost her. That's all she had. 
These other rich people, they gave in abundance. They gave a little bit of, of the huge share that they had, but this woman here, in faith, gave everything that she had. She had the greater sacrifice. She gave the greater gift, which, 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 which tells me that the value of the sacrifice is not determined by the price. It's determined by the cost. The value of a sacrifice is not determined by the price, but it's determined by the cost. And what I mean by that is, is, is it's not about the price tag. It's not about the monetary value of, of what the sacrifice is worth, but it's what it cost the woman that gave it. It's what it cost David when he, when he gave $600,000 for that threshing floor. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about how much money it was. It was about how much it cost him. To how much it cost him. And so, you know, we, we look at David and we think, come on, man, how could you be so stupid and spend all that money on a, on a threshing floor? Really? You know, especially something that you could have gotten for free? I mean, this just seems like a waste. And that's the thing about sacrifice is that it doesn't always make sense to everybody else. There's a story in... Um, Oh, I can't remember where it is. It's in most of the Gospels. And um, there's this, this woman, Mary, she's, and Jesus is getting ready to uh, be crucified. He's getting ready to be betrayed and crucified. And, and Mary comes up to him, and she spills this expensive perfume. She breaks the jar and, and starts anointing his feet and wiping it with her hair, just looking like a fool. <laughs> and Judas was the one who said, hey, we could have sold that and, 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 and given the money to the poor. And John adds, not that he cared about the poor. <laughs> he just stole some money from himself. But he pointed it out. Hey, that's not the right kind of sacrifice you're making. It doesn't always make sense to everybody else. And that was the moment where, where Judas decided, you know what? I think I'm going to betray Jesus in this moment. But, and we sang the song earlier today, and, and it says, you know, we'll, we'll waste all, this, all the oil at your feet. We'll waste my hours and my days. And it's not that it's, it's actually a waste, but it's, it's what everybody else might see. It looks like a waste. But for you, it's what, what it costs you. That's where the sacrifice, that's where the value of the sacrifice comes from. So, you know, it's, it may seem like a waste, but it, you know, this thing about sacrifice, it may not make sense to everybody else, and that's all right. You're not sacrificing to please everybody else. But David's love justified the purchase because David knew the value wasn't in the price. It was in the, the cost. And so something said in David, something in David's spirit said, no, I, I, can't, I can't accept this for free and give it to the Lord. I'm not going to give an offering to the Lord that, that didn't cost me. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put myself, I'm, I'm going to put myself in a place that stretches me, that challenges me. If it doesn't cost me, it's not much. If it doesn't cost me, or I'm sorry, it doesn't cost me if it's not much. It doesn't cost me if it wasn't that hard to give away. It wasn't in the gold where the value was. It was in, it was that David was willing to sacrifice it, to give it to the Lord and to, to build an altar there. The value of the purchase wasn't in the gold. The value of the purchase was what it cost David. And if we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, we have to be willing to give up things that are costly. We have to be willing to give up parts of our lives. Maybe that is monetary. Maybe that is our, 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 our time. Maybe that is our energy. Maybe that is our, our, our thoughts. Maybe that is in the, the content that we consume. But if we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, we have to come to, 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 to terms with this that we're going to have to make sacrifices. And, and it's not that we have to make sacrifices, that we get to make sacrifices. 
We get to live our lives as a worship song to the Lord. We get to live our lives as a, as a, as a, as a sacrifice. We get to lay our lives down at the altar. It's, it's not in the price tag. It's, it's what it costs. Now, I'm not suggesting, let me just clarify. I'm not suggesting that, you know, we, we give all our money to the church, we sell our house, and we start living in our car, and we live in the parking lot over here, and, you know, all we do is, is church. We come to church, and we, you know, we, we go around, and we just tell people about Jesus. That's a great idea. Not, not selling everything, but, but you know, <laughs> but, but living, living like, a, like a hermit, eating ramen noodles all, all day long because that's all you can afford now. I'm not suggesting that unless God tells you to. But what I am suggesting is, is to consider how much we're giving up, to consider when we say that we are men or women after God's own heart, when we say that we have a relationship with Jesus, what does that look like in terms of what we sacrifice for the Lord versus what we sacrifice elsewhere? Because the, the hard truth is, is that we all, make sacrifices each, all we, we all make sacrifices each and every single day. It's just who we're sacrificing or what we're sacrificing to, what we're giving up for what is of more value or worth to us. And a lot of the time, we, we, we get in our, our, this mentality of, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to, to pray. I don't, have, I don't have money to give in the offering plate. And, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything like that or entice you to do that. It should be something we willingly give up. But we get in this mindset where, oh, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. But really, we, we have the same amount as everybody else. We've just allotted it elsewhere and sacrificed elsewhere. We've sacrificed our time to six episodes of Love is Blind on Netflix. Or, you know, we've, we've sacrificed our, our, uh, our finances, you know, for three or four nights at the, at the club. We've sacrificed this here, this there. And at the end, we're like, God, I don't have anything left to give you. This is, this is the, the, the beauty of sacrifice. In, in the Old Testament, it talks about giving a, a tithe or a tenth, and I've talked about this before, but the, the, the incredible part is that it was the first fruits. It wasn't what was left over. It was, hey, I'm going to plant all these crops, and I'm going to give a tenth of what I planted whenever it, as soon as it grows in to the temple. I don't know if the rest will grow in. I just have to trust God. And it's this incredible, um, it's this incredible idea of, of, of experiencing a deficiency in our lives. When we, when we give something up, there's a deficiency, so that, we are, that way we're able to have a dependency on God. We willingly are deficient so that we can be dependent on God. And this is, this is how we grow closer. This is how we... we, 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 uh, we um, mirror our hearts like God's is when we give everything else up and we say, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to reverence you. God, I'm going to give you everything. And that doesn't look like spending all your money at the church or, or giving all your money away. Sometimes it looks like giving the, 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 the first fruits or whatever you feel like God is asking you to give. But then the rest of the, maybe it's you give 10%, the rest of the 90 is not just squandered, but you still use it as a, with this kingdom mindset, with this, this idea that God, okay, I, I've invested over here, but now the rest of it I'm going to invest still in the kingdom, just in various, various different places. You know, when you're, when you're filling up your car with, with gas, it's so expensive, but 
We think, all right, I'm going to use this for good, and I'm not going to drive places I don't need to go. I'm going to drive places you, you want me to go, and you, you want me to, to go out and to spread the gospel, or, you know, all these different, we, I, I can't list the endless amount of examples of how we can utilize our finances, how we can utilize our time in other ways than just giving it away, but using what we have for the kingdom and to be closer to the Lord. And when we sacrifice our lives to God, now instead of giving God the last fruits, we give him the first fruits and then the stuff that needs to be pruned off or the stuff that needs to just be cut off, we, we've run out of resources to, to feed that with. So this is how we become closer to the Lord. And this is what David did. He, he, he gave everything for this threshing floor. He gave everything for this future place where the temple was going to be. And, and, and I, I love what, what, what David wrote in Psalm 51 because he sacrificed his, his, not only his money, but he sacrificed his life, his, his heart. He gave his heart to the Lord. I love what David wrote, writes in, in Psalm 51. He says this, You do not desire a sacrifice or I'd offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. Now just hang on there because that negates everything I just said. <laughs> but when you read it in context, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the amount that, God, that we give God. You can have a lot of money and give God a lot of money and it still didn't cost you anything. You can have a lot of time and give God a lot of time and it still not cost you anything. Where it costs you is where you feel like you don't have much at all. And so this is what David's saying. You, you don't desire a sacrifice. It's not that what you want is, is the stuff or I'd offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire, he goes on, the sacrifice you desire is a, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. I love what the Passion Translation says. It says this, For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance of the sacrifices I might offer you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifices of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow down humbly at your feet. It's not in the stuff. It's what we're willing to give up. It's what we're willing to give him. And I want us to realize today that, that you know, as, as, yes, while a sacrifice is an offering to the Lord, at the same time, it's also a heart check for us. It's also a heart check for us because what you sacrifice to reveals what you value most. Ooh, that's so profound. And I think it went right over your head, and that's okay. What you sacrifice, what you sacrifice to reveals what you value the most. Again, if we feel like we don't have any, anything left to give God at the end of the day, maybe we valued everything else above God. How many parents in the room today? Where are my parents at? Whoop, whoop. You guys are tired. I feel it. <laughs> you, I'm sure you would agree with this statement. I would give anything for my kids. I would do anything for my kids. I know I would. I, I would give anything for my son. Anything he needs to, to make him just have a great quality of life, anything to turn him into a, a wonderful man of God, I would do anything for that. We would sacrifice, we would give up anything for our kids. But not a lot of us would give up anything for our great God. And, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody or to, to make you feel bad, but it's just something to think about is, is where do we draw the line? 
Is there a certain line in the sand that we say, God, I'm not giving you any more than this? God, I'm not going any further than this. What if David said, no, I'm only going to give you 599 shekels of gold? And the asking price was 600. Where's the line in the sand that we draw that we say, God, I'm not going any further? That is a great indicator that what you feel like you need to give up, that you're not, you actually value that more than you value your relationship with God. Again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but it's just some food for thought. If there's a line in the sand, if there's something we're not willing to give up, and I think we all have one, at least, that would say, I really like holding on to that one. <laughs> if there's a line in the sand, we say, mm, God, I can't give you that. We value that more than we value our relationship with God. And that should be a great wake-up call for us. When we realize this, when we see these, these things that we're unwilling to give up, that should actually be encouraging for us because now we know what we can do to overcome that, and, and that's to, to give it up. As hard as it may be, as, as, as challenging as it may be, sacrifices are going to cost us. I can't, like, you know, I, I can't value something I'm holding on to more than I value God. And, and like I said, I think we all have this one thing that we can't seem just to let go. For us to be men and women after God's own heart, we, 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 can't let only, we can't let anything hold us back from him being our only focus, him being our main pursuit. Everything we hold on to this life will eventually let us down. I can promise you that. Anything that we hold on to in this life will eventually let us down. But sacrifice is going to cost us. Here's a forewarning. <laughs> if you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty costly. But it's encouraging at the same time. Because again, when we are deficient in this area, we can be dependent on the Lord. It may cost you your finances. It may cost you your reputation. It may cost you a little bit of sleep or a lot of sleep. It may cost you the words that you say, the content you consume, or the substance that you want to take. It may cost you but it's so costly to live a life of sacrifice, but it will draw you closer and closer to the heart of God. Because how much we prioritize our relationship with God is proven through how much we give him. And Jesus proved this on the cross. He valued us, you and me, so, so much that he was willing to give everything for us. He was willing to give up his last breath just to have a relationship with us because he loves us that much. And then there is not a single thing that you and I can do to separate us from that love because he paid the ultimate sacrifice that made it possible. I love how Hebrews reminds us of, of this, and Hebrews 13 says this, I'll, I'll read it from the paper Bible here. It's in Hebrews, 13, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Under the old system, the high priest brought, brought the blood of the animals in, into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore, for this world is not our permanent home, 
And we are looking forward to a home yet to come. And I love this. This is therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Anyways, it means based on what we just read, here's the response. So therefore, since Jesus paid that perfect sacrifice for us, he went through all the pain, all the suffering, and took on all of our sin and shame to have relationship with us. Therefore, now, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice, a continual sacrifice, a constant sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do the good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that, that please God. These are the sacrifices that please God. Let us offer a continual sacrifice of praise to Jesus. How do we do this? How do we offer up a continual sacrifice? By giving him our heart. That's what he wants. That's all he's asking for. Every breath that we breathe in, we breathe out praise. Every pump of our heart is worship. When we live our lives in response to the great and mighty work of Jesus on the cross to make us eligible for forgiveness and repentance and grace and mercy in his presence. Let our lives be an offering. Let our lives be a continual sacrifice for Jesus. This is how we become men and women after God's own heart. We, 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 we have to live this out. And it's, again, it's not the stuff we, we give. It's, it's, it's the stuff that's how much it costs. And that it's going to be costly. It may cost us our reputation, our finances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's so, so worth it. I'll wrap up. I'll say this, this, last, this last thing. I love that God wanted to use a threshing floor. And first, actually, first and foremost, God never asked David to buy the threshing floor. I don't know if you caught that or not. God said, David, go, go build an altar on Arana's threshing floor. I don't care how you make it happen. Just make it happen. This is what, this is what I'm asking you to do. But David, in, in response to his love and his forgiveness, says, you, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to give God something that, that costs me. Not, you know, he could have come up with an agreement. I, I'm sure God would have been fine with that, honestly. Could have come up with an agreement. Hey, Arana, can we use the threshing floor? You know, maybe I'll build you another one or, you know, we'll, we'll just work something out. But I just, I, I need to build an altar here. God never asked David to buy it. David, just out of love and out of response for God's grace, it was like, I'll spend every dollar it, it costs me. But later, goes on, this, this is the site where the temple is built. And I love that God uses a, a threshing floor because threshing floors, they, what they did is they separated the, the chaff from the wheat, the, the bad stuff from the, from the good stuff. And so you would throw it up and the wind would take the chaff and the wheat would fall right down. And what a beautiful example of what happens when we come into the presence of God when we live our lives as a sacrifice to God, he takes out all the bad 
He leaves what good remains. But, but, but this temple was not built by David. It was built by his son, Solomon. And so what is just so cool to me is that God works generationally and the sacrifice that David made, his son reaped the benefits and his son's sons and his children's children. So God works in generations and I think the things that we sacrifice in our lives today are gonna benefit our kids down the road. It's gonna benefit the people that we come in contact with down the road. So if I can leave you with this today, the sacrifice is so costly. But when we put it into comparison of what Jesus paid for us, the sacrifice Jesus gave for us, and we remind ourselves that this life is not our own, that we were bought with a price, and not only that, but we were bought with a cost. When we think of it that way, you know, Jesus was willing to die for us we can be willing to live for him. And so if this is, this is the encouragement I want to give us today is, is press into the cost. Examine the cost. Know how much it's going to cost and give it anyway. And give it up anyway. And sacrifice anyway. And give it to the Lord in response to his good grace. This is how we become men and women of after God's own heart. And this is how God works in us and does incredible things. And when we become men and women after God's own heart, we don't think the same. We don't look the same. We don't walk the same. We don't talk the same. Everything changes. So the cost is great, but the reward is so much greater. So much greater. So let's stand up on our feet today. I'll, I'll get us out of here. pray together and ask God to bless us on our way out. God, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Everything that you gave up for us, we honor that today. We take a look at our lives. We take a look at your goodness. We take a look at everything that you've done and everything you've imparted into us. Oh, God, we thank you so much. We'll never, ever be able to repay you. But give us the boldness and the courage to give everything that we have. Not to try to repay you, but just in response, in gratefulness, in thankfulness. Let our lives be a worship song. Let our lives be a love song to you to the beat of our heart and the rhythm of our breath. From the inside to the out, it's all yours, Jesus. It's all yours, Jesus. If you're here today and you, you don't know Jesus as your, as your friend, as your savior, as your redeemer, you don't have a relationship with him, I really want to encourage you today to not leave this place without doing so 
because he has orchestrated everything for you to, to be here in this moment, to be in his presence, to hear the message of his great and mighty love that has no end, only for, just, just for you, not only for you, for everybody, but just for you too. And he desires to, to, to bless you. He desires to give you an abundant new life he doesn't want to see you struggle. He doesn't want to see you go through hardships, but he goes through them with you. This is our Jesus. This is our Savior. And he loves you so much. And starting a relationship with him is so simple. It's just taking a next step towards him. That's it. It's, it's, it's making the decision to turn from your old ways and start moving towards Jesus. Everyone's pace is different, but I, I just want to encourage you to at least take just a baby step, at least this morning. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just try him out. Try him out today. I'm positive he'll, he'll prove his goodness to you. And if you're here today and you've, you've been following, you've claimed to be a Jesus follower for, you know, years and years now, but you just feel like you your relationship's a little stagnant. The good news is, is that your reset is today too. To turn from your old habits, to turn from your old ways and start moving towards our Savior, our Father, the one who loves us so deeply with a love we'll never experience on this earth. I'm gonna encourage you not to leave here without taking that step today. It'll be the greatest step the greatest decision you've ever made in your lives. But God, we thank you for allowing us to be here. We thank you that we get to be here to hear your message and to read your word. We thank you that it's true and it stands firm. We thank you that you have power over every situation. And so we trust you today. And we give you our lives. We give you our, our, our breath. We give you our resources. We give you everything that we have. It's all yours. Use it how you want to. We trust you. We honor you and we worship you in this place today. God, keep us safe as we go out in this crazy world. Let's come all, all come back here next Sunday and do it all over again. Remind us of your goodness daily. Let us walk in your love. We love you so, so much. We give you every fiber of our being today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com slash give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Thank you.